0: Now, PW Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. It's time to talk this week's WWE Friday Night Smackdown on Fox. Well, Jason, the top story, of course, coming out of the show relates to The Rock and Wrestlemania. Rock turns down Cody Rhodes, challenging him to a one-on-one match at an undisclosed time, and counters with an offer to team with Roman Reigns Rock Rockwood team with Roman Reigns against Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins a match that a lot of people speculated would be happening coming out of the kickoff show um, the WrestleMania kickoff show pseudo press conference type thing and it just seemed like the match made sense but also didn't make sense um, with Seth having a world title match against the Elimination Chamber winner turned out to be Drew does Seth wrestle twice coming off of a knee injury when do the matches take place why would that tag match take place I still don't know it totally makes sense but We now have it, and we know, at this point, assuming next week Cody accepts the challenge, we know what Rock's match at WrestleMania is, with a stipulation being that if Cody and Seth win, then the bloodline will be banned from ringside, but if they don't win, then it's bloodline rules, which means anything goes. Rock then went on to say, if you don't accept the challenge, he has the clout to make anything go anyway, because he's the boss. He's your boss. I'm your boss, he says, Um, which makes the whole stipulation kind of moot but I guess he wants to put on the the the, uh, the image of earning it somehow um, so anyway um, we now know um, I'm, I'm curious for your thoughts on this announcement how it was made and and uh, and how it all plays out
1: I'm going to tell you um, I have been probably the most confused by a storyline in a long time as it pertains to this whole bloodline. Uh, Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, uh, The Rock, um, you know, it's it, I, I still don't really know what happened when it was. Well, we're going to have The Rock versus Roman Reigns. And then there was a public outcry. And I don't know Did they call an audible. Was it something they planned all along? Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I maybe and I'm probably going to be wrong. And I'm wrong many times when it comes to uh, storylines and wrestling. But it almost harkens back to the Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mike Tyson dynamic where everybody was just com- it was confirmed that Mike Tyson was going to screw Austin. And then it ended up being where it was a turn. I just I see the, the Rock and Roman Reigns imploding on the first night of WrestleMania. And I see that. They get the win, uh, Cody and, and Seth. And I I think it's, I, I would see that maybe as a John Cena-Rock buildup, you know, where they almost went an entire year getting ready for their WrestleMania match. I I, I can see that happening with The Rock and Roman Reigns, maybe not a year, but maybe leading up to an event like SummerSlam.
0: I think that's a distinct possibility. Um, another big part of this wasn't just that tank match being announced. And, and Rock turning down the Cody Challenge for a one-on-one match, but also the body language, especially of Roman. Although Solo uh, Solos could and seem amused by Rock uh, saying he's going to sing the National Anthem and making fun of his singing voice, or mockingly saying it's it's surprisingly good. Um, Heyman, of course, just looks worried constantly, um, trying to keep everything working. But Roman had a, was glaring t- uh, at Rock. He had something on his mind, and... The final segment of the interview was Rock, or excuse me, Reigns interrupting Rock's doing If You Smell What The Rock Is Cooking and saying he needs something first, and he asked him to acknowledge him. Things got tense. Rock stared at him, had a how dare you look on his face, it seemed. Reigns had a look of a mix of intimidation and uh, a need (laughs) to hear Rock acknowledge him so that he didn't feel like he was... A, a subsidiary of the rock show which has been the concern you know and, and something that people have pointed out including me that reigns has felt smaller in the presence of rock and it didn't feel like it was storyline um although this makes it work more so as a storyline which is Reigns saying I need you to acknowledge me and rock paused and he did and he said uh he he that the family and, and rock acknowledges him as the uh as the tribal chief which was a big moment um but it didn't mean there there isn't that hint, more than a hint, of tension that could very well lead to, um, like like you say, uh, a breakup or uh, between them in that tag match, a miscommunication of sorts. And then, is that if if that happens, is that uh, uh go directly to Rock turning back babyface against Reigns, or is Rock the heel and Roman's la- you know Roman loses to Cody because he has no help from the Bloodline? Um, because they lost a tag, they lose a tag match. But Rock, or excuse me, Reigns loses clean. Cody gets the win, so it's a good win for Cody beating Roman clean. But it also is a little bit of an out for Reigns that his whole plan was thrown off. I don't know. There's, a, there's different directions they can go with this, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that is one of them. I think it's possible that Rock and Reigns stick together and, and they tell a, a breakup story much later too. Um, but they are getting this this match in, and then. You know, you still have the question of how does this make Drew McIntyre look if he beats uh, Seth Rollins after this match, after Seth already had to put in an um, in effort in a take match. So there's a lot of a lot of uh, angles to this that, that are worthy of examination and discussion. Uh, Jason, anything more you want to add to how this played out and any of the talking points coming out of it?
1: That's one thing, and, you know, and again, this may be my 40 years of watching this business and I always look for the little things but if you look at every single time that The Rock has, you know, given the one for, you know, representing the bloodline, he sticks his thumb out. Everybody else does just the one. He sticks that thumb out and it makes an L for loser. And I don't know. I, I, I stick and I watched it tonight and he did it again tonight. And I don't know. There's something about that. And maybe I'm just. You know, making more out of something than it needs to be. But I know the WWE has been <laughs> notorious about throwing those little Easter eggs in yes. there. And that's why I've I've kind of gotten to the point where I look at that and I'm like, he's he's doing it different than everyone else. And does that have something to do with what's coming up?
0: I think it's fair. Other I've seen people bring that up. And if so, it's it's a fun Easter egg. It's a fun. Uh, foreshadowing. Um, of something that can be looked back upon and, and decoded um, after the fact. Uh, what do you make of the crowd reaction tonight uh, for Roman and for Rock and then the chance for Cody? I think, obviously, people love Cody, and people enjoy Roman's shtick, uh, but also enjoy booing him. I think the Rock is, is the one that's most interesting in contrast to the Cody chance and the uh, the reaction to Roman there were some rocky chants but mostly you know we started insulting them and saying it's the you know meth and crack capital of the world and insulting the locals and that that can you know turn the crowd from going this is fun let's cheer you to um how dare you or this is fun we're going to boo you you know some combination of that um what do you think of rock's mic work and and the crowd reaction and does it if you're wwe and rock do you think they're steering things in the right way i guess it ultimately depends on on where they want to end up of course
1: you know, it's really it's really interesting. If you had told me a year ago, hell, six months ago, that The Rock, who's one of the most popular wrestlers of all time, was going to come back, and he was going to be booed, and he was going to get Rocky sucks chance and they were going to have the negative signage in the arena, because of a baby face named Cody Rhodes, I would have told you you were crazy. I would think maybe Austin could pull that off, maybe even... Um, you know uh, Triple H, but I was amazed uh, how fast people turn on The Rock, which I think is fantastic. But yet, at the same time, he is the same attitude era Rock, where he will insult the crowd and insult the city. But yet, he can be so clever sometimes that it's like you you boo him, but at the same time, you want to cheer him because you're like, damn, it was really good.
0: And there's movie stars here and we're seeing him live and you don't get to see many movie stars perform live, you know, without a net, so to speak. But of course that's his, that's his pedigree. That's where he comes from. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's no question. There's the, you know, it, people aren't chanting, we're not worthy at rock. You know I mean? It's not like, like that, but there is that feeling of Hollywood royalty, pro wrestling royalty that it it makes it hard to get everybody to just boo you, you know, without, without that, that, without some semblance of. OMG! This is awesome.
1: Yeah, I I, I really am. Uh, I was I was shocked the uh, how quickly people you know are uh, a majority of the people turned on Rock and uh, were shouting for Cody, and that's why I'm thinking to myself if they do not pull the trigger on Cody and you know give him the title, let him quote finish the story at mm-hmm. this WrestleMania. I think that you may see a um, a down spiral and you might start to see people turn on Cody like in the latter part of AEW when he was in uh, his run there. Uh, I, I, I just don't think they can pull off another year of Cody finishing his story without doing damage to the character.
0: To- totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, let's pause and introduce ourselves and then get right to the phone lines and the mailbag. We also have Brian from Phoenix as our on-site correspondent. He's, uh, checking in by email saying that the first dark match, um, took place with, uh, Damian Priest against the Miz. He's going to watch the second, um, uh, the sec- he's going to watch the second match and then give us a call. So, um, let's, uh, yeah, let's introduce ourselves first. This is the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show for Friday, March 1st, 2024. I'm Wade Keller, host of the show, the editor, publisher, and founder of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter, the website pwtorch.com, with live TV coverage, live pay-per-view coverage, including this Sunday night's AEW Revolution pay-per-view. And uh, and also uh, editorials, breaking news, flashbacks, and more. So check it out, pwtorch.com. And also the host of various podcasts, including the Wade Keller post-shows like this one, following Raw Dynamite SmackDown and Some Collisions. And the uh, Wade Keller podcast, including the flagship this week with Jason Powell from prowrestling.net. That dropped Tuesday night. And a variety of VIP exclusive shows like The Fix with Todd Martin, the current events segment, and the Mega Mailbag segment. We did a couple hours of mailbag, an hour and I want to have current events yesterday. That dropped for VIP members. I also host everything with Rich and Wade, post pay-per-view roundtables, Wade Keller hotlines, and there's a variety of other VIP exclusive podcasts that come on our ad-free VIP podcast feed, compatible compatible with Apple Podcasts app and uh, um. And you can also uh, get our VIP podcast through Spotify when you sign up through Patreon. All kinds of options. We'd love to have you as a VIP member. And I think you'll enjoy all the perks of membership. Details at pwtorch.com slash govip. That's pwtorch.com slash govip. You can sign up through Patreon directly with your Apple account on your iPhone or credit card, debit card, or PayPal through our main sign up page, which comes with 35 years of archives of hundreds of retro radio shows from the 90s. Uh... Nearly 2,000 back issues of the Prose Torch newsletter, um, two decades of uh, VIP podcasts, ad-free access to our VIP website, a new PW Torch newsletter every week, and much more. Check out details: pwtorch.com/goVIP. These free shows are brought to you as a VIP member with the ad and plug breaks removed, so it's a streamlined listening experience. The other voice you hear on the show is Jason Goodspeed. He is a PW Torch contributor. Uh, Jason. Welcome back to the co-host chair.
1: Absolutely. Uh, pleasure to be back with you. I, I really enjoy uh, being able to do these, uh, these shows with you uh, post-Smackdown. And, uh, you know, it's been so, something I've followed, as I mentioned, about 40 years. I, I have uh, followed professional wrestling, and uh, it, it's been a passion of mine. Even when it's been uncool to have it be a passion of mine, it's been a passion of mine. So it's always great to be back on the show with
0: you. It's great to have you. I've enjoyed our shows together. And speaking of cool, I, we can't leave out that The Rock declared pro wrestling cool again. Now he did so in a little bit of a self-serving way. Hey, I'm here, but he. I think it was broader than that. They're in this, you know, packed building. Um, about you know, right around twelve thousand, according to ticks over fifteen thousand, according to Corey Graves. Pick your pick your credible source. Um, but a a in a, another just impressive crowd. And the way they shot it with like three or four or five novel camera angles we didn't see in the Kevin Dunn era. Um, just packed to the last row, well-lit, feels major league. And the Roxanne Pro Wrestling's cool again. And I say those two words at the beginning with emphasis and underline. Pro Wrestling. He didn't say sports entertainment. That's sick man's gone. And the word Pro Wrestling is something that people who want to say pro wrestling and not sports entertainment now get to say and i was impressed that rock said pro wrestling because certainly his family uh have, have been part of the pro wrestling business predating the silly term sports entertainment um that vince mcmahon coined to try to trick advertisers into thinking um men in tights in a in a, in a raised plat- square platform with three ropes was not the same thing that they had um been uh, shunning for decades uh, on television in terms of advertising, and wanted to pretend he had created something else. But he br- unfortunately brought that term meant for the advertising world onto pro wrestling shows, and uh, we've had to suffer through that for for thirty plus years. And I'm not saying it's gone entirely, but um, it's it's. I think it gives everyone permission to say pro wrestling instead of sports entertainment, for the announcers to the wrestlers. When The Rock does it, so I was happy um, he did that too, and found found that noteworthy. So uh, that's you know. Paul Levesque, uh, or excuse me, yeah, Paul Levesque uh, and, and Dwayne Johnson are going to kind of set the trend as far as what this industry is called and what, what WWE does is called. So I am an advocate for the term pro wrestling and not the clunky, silly, stupid sports entertainment uh, term, especially given how it originated and ultimately how, how silly it sounds. Um, Jason, uh, anything else you want to add before we get to phone calls?
1: Yeah, you know, I just want to briefly touch on what you just said. Yeah, yeah it's it's nice that uh, uh, tip of the hat to WWE. We won't go into details, obviously. I mean, everybody knows all of the uh, the dark clouds that kind of have hovered over WWE with stuff that's been going on, and you know, uh, Paul and everybody who's involved with the day to day production. Uh, they're still bringing in the crowds and still putting on incredible shows. Uh, I, it's nice that they haven't been distracted by the dark parts of what has been leaking into media. So, you know, hats off to them because you know I, I would hate to see this industry be sullied by the atrocious acts of one man. And I'm really hoping that... Uh, this is going to be a new era of pro wrestling and uh you know so i'm kind of excited about what could lie on the road ahead
0: very good um let's uh let's give out the phone number and email and then get to phone calls and emails The number if you want to participate in tonight's show, if you're live streaming the show, and you can always find the link to the live stream, by the way, at pwtorch.com in my TV coverage of Raw, Dynamite, SmackDown, and Collision, and also Greg Park's hosting the post-pay-per-view shows Wrestling Night in America, including this Sunday. There'll be a link to that live stream Sunday night at pwtorch.com at the top and bottom of our TV and pay-per-view reports. The number tonight is 347-215-8558. 347-215-8558. Three four seven two one five eight five five eight. You can call and just listen if it's easier for you than streaming it. You can also call and push one. That flags you on our switchboard so we know to bring you onto the show. And you can also email us at wadekellerpodcast at gmail.com. Please note it's at gmail, not at pwtorch. So if your uh, email client autofills, be sure it doesn't autofill pw torch, or we might not get the email forward to it, forwarded to us right away. Um, wadekellerpodcast at gmail.com. All right, let's get to phone calls, and we'll start with uh, Chris in Fairview, Pennsylvania. Uh, Chris, thanks for calling. Uh, What's going on about SmackDown tonight?
2: Uh, Hey, Wade. Hey, Jason. Thanks for taking my call. Um, Thanks for calling. Overall, I thought it was a pretty good episode, although that uh, first segment uh, was kind of a supersized extra-long segment. (laughs) Once it was all done, I couldn't believe 40 minutes had passed. (laughs) Uh, They're really... They're trying to squeeze and milk every single ounce of rating and minute, you know, out of the Rock's presence as they possibly can. Um, for that segment, do you think Roman was given enough tonight to kind of reassert his dominance in the bloodline, given that ever since Rock entered the picture, he has more taken a back seat because of just the amount of time that Rock's been given on his promos and to, you know, give his speeches and whatnot it still felt like it was The Rock's show tonight. I mean, he did 80 to 90% of, you know, the talking and, I guess, decision-making. But do you feel like that ending part where Roman stopped him from completing the catchphrase and had him acknowledge him, do you think that's kind of a step in the right direction for Roman now taking the spotlight back? Or do you have any concerns that The Rock is still kind of big footing here between Roman and Cody's story?
0: Had they... I and others have expressed which is Roman is just standing in the background letting Rock do his thing and he feels like an audience member and when Roman speaks first and Rock comes out second makes it seem like Rock is the main event Um, but to have Roman interrupt the Rock and the Rock to tolerate it at least and then to acknowledge him I think is enough but it's also part of a storyline you know I mean they are not doing this there, I don't think I don't think Reigns did what he did tonight to make up for feeling like an audience member just watching Rock do his thing in, in recent weeks. I think it, they did it because they want to plant seeds for a Rock versus Roman match, and so this is part of telling a story. So, in a sense, what they did tonight makes the past body language and placement better, um, if not if not completely explaining it. Because had we not been talking about that, it wouldn't have been such a big moment when Roman held the microphone and said he needed one thing from him had they just been getting along and seemed to have great chemistry which they could have intentionally done but they chose not to um that moment wouldn't have meant as much so this is one of those situations where you can express a concern but you want to have that that asterisk underneath any concern or even criticism which is maybe it's intentional maybe what we're sensing they want us to sense because a chap, you know, the next chapter is going to utilize that to get to the next stage. And I, and I think that's what we saw happen tonight. Uh, Jason, how about you?
1: It's funny. I did the same thing as I, when when the whole segment was done, I looked at my watch and I'm like, "Okay, that was about 40 minutes of the top of the show uh that was just a talking segment." And I'm like, "I, I cannot remember the last time that that was uh, you know, something that was featured in pro wrestling, but you know, I think that they have dropped so many breadcrumbs, and they've done it in a way where you don't know whether or not this is leading up to a Roman rock like matchup or if it's going to make them that much closer. I think they have they have um, muddied the water just enough where uh, with these kind of things that. It's building up to something, whether or not it's going to be an ultimate breakup or it's going to be an ultimate like um, collusion between these two. I I think in that aspect, it's been well done. But I was really surprised that a 40 minute segment opened up Friday Night Smackdown uh, where it was basically talking segments and a commercial break.
0: If you're going to have The Rock and Roman Reigns at a SmackDown, I don't have any problem with spending 40 minutes on that segment. I'm I'm curious how it holds up viewership-wise, but I like them starting. Um, They have their biggest audience at the start. Uh, They don't have a time limit, so they can go as long as they need to. They can improvise without worrying about having to cut something out if if they need to pause for a crowd reaction. Um, I'm okay with it. Obviously, you don't want it to be the rule, but it is The Rock. It is WrestleMania season and you know roman got to do his thing I, I am me saying i don't have a problem with it doesn't mean it didn't test a lot of people's patience i mean the bloodline ring entrance is long and then just standing there and waiting for the crowd um to to quiet down and then you know doing an acknowledge me bit you know three times in a row i mean it's fair criticism if you're watching this going okay let's get moving <laughs> cuz i mean the bell didn't ring for the first match till the 45 minute mark I get why they do it, why they did it that way um and and I went to voted it against it, but I don't it doesn't come without some concern that to me they pushed it to the very limit of 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 how long you can stretch out the material that they had. The fact though is is they had a payoff, you know they had the big headline making story challenging you to a tag match, and here's a stipulation, so I thought there was enough content. And we don't see them every week. We don't want to see this segment every week. But um, but, but for me, it, it was worth doing, even though I acknowledge there's some risk. Uh, Chris, uh, back to you for any follow-up.
2: Yeah, um, you guys had mentioned
0: in the kind of intro about
2: setting up the Roman-Rock match. And for however long, number of years, I've always envisioned, obviously, Rock is the face and Roman is the heel. But the idea of this ultimately... Almost morphing into Roman as the faith versus the rock as a heel, I have to say, is much more intriguing than rock faith, you know, coming back after so long away and just challenging, you know, the head of the table in Roman. Um, I wonder if maybe that is where they're leading. Uh, I, I could just see maybe a possibility where Cody ends up winning on night two. And the bloodline kind of decides to follow the rock for whatever storyline reason. Um, it almost seemed like tonight that Roman decided it was over. It was time to go to the back, and Haman was kind of trying to change his mind or almost deferring to the rock coming out next and Well, no, we can't leave because he's coming out. the rock' right. coming out next yeah and I find it, I guess, very intriguing. And again, the storytelling possibilities are almost endless. Where Haman's always this opportunistic kind of leech or parasite, you know, not to call a human being that, but he's always looking for the next meal ticket. Where's he going to go next after Roman could be done? And what better person to latch on to than maybe the most powerful person in Hollywood and entertainment? Um, do you think that? based on the breadcrumbs so far, that this could be leading to the Rock maybe taking over the bloodline from Roman, and then the Rock runs the bloodline for the next few months, because let's be honest, in the past year, the amount of times Roman has been around to actually run the bloodline has been only a few appearances. Would the Rock schedule allow him to be the new leader of the bloodline um, and set up that, Roman is a face versus Rock is the heel match, either SummerSlam or if they pushed it all the way to WrestleMania 41. I guess, what are your thoughts there?
0: Uh, Jason, I'll throw to you first on this.
1: You know, I uh, I was listening to all of those points, and it made me go back to The Rock versus Hollywood Hogan. Uh, It was supposed to be, you know, Rock was the face and Hollywood Hogan was the heel, and they had to call an audible, you know, because it, it, Hogan all of a sudden was the babyface and Rock was the heel. And I think that's a good point. I think you might see Roman Reigns walk out of the, you know, Roman Reigns walk out of this being the babyface, which was the dream of a lot of the higher ups in WWE for years. They wanted this guy to be their top babyface and the fans rejected it. I think if you can get one guy to go against Roman Reigns and make him a monster baby face, it could be an at the top of his game Rock. I think that's I think that would be a fantastic thing.
0: Yeah, it's it's intriguing to imagine, and and part of this would require Solo Sokoa to be elevated because Rock's not going to be there every week for the next year. So if, if they if they roll with that storyline either quickly or do, do a slow roll, but eventually get there, you, you need someone else representing the bloodline as a protected main eventer. And they went into a, a stretch where they weren't protecting Solo. Um, so then do you add someone? And, you know, who is that? I mean, Braun Breaker's not ready for that role. You can say, oh, he's got the bloodline of the Steiners and it fits well enough. And, you know, I mean, to me, Breaker might be managed by Paul Heyman, Two and a half years from now, but I don't think it's on the hor- the immediate horizon. Um, so it gets a little complicated if if Rock is sort of um, m- not you know running the bloodline from the boardroom at a distance, but not appearing on SmackDown. You know, Roman is a babyface feuding with Jimmy and Solo, both both of whom have been diminished, especially Jimmy. Although you can always just morph into something more serious and and, and try to build that up. Um, so I mean. It's in, it's intriguing, and it is one of the... I mean, it's it's a legit avenue that they might be taking. Um, because if they tell this story right, I mean, there's challenges for Roman as a babyface, um, because he's not going to suddenly be a full-time guy, and people are going to want to see him, and they're going to see him every week, and they want to see a major storyline. So I'm sure they're thinking through all this. I mean, Paul Heyman thinks through this stuff, and he is, you know, the wise man is an on-air, on-air nickname, but I think it's also how he's perceived behind the scenes, and Roman's a student of the game, and Rock obviously just brings tons of experiences to um, a lot of the writers. And Paul Levesque, of course, has a, everybody. I mean, uh, Brian Gewirtz, of course, is, is involved in this. So there's a lot of minds thinking about all this and in, in plotting it out. Doesn't mean they're all on the same page and all agree with final decisions that are made. But there's a lot to work with here, and any have any concern. That we have, um, that I'm expressing, and that others might have, I'm sure they're thinking about it, and they're gonna, you know, do their best to address it. But my my concern would just be, you know, Rock's not full time, Roman's not full time, and do you want to stretch it out like John Cena and The Rock for a full year? If you're just kind of occasionally bringing it up, and occasionally those wrestlers are present, or there's a long stretch without them. Um, but if if Cody is the champion on SmackDown and Drew is a champion on Raw. I mean, even if Roman and Rock aren't around for a, a good stretch of time, unless they're building up SummerSlam or WrestleMania, that is a ratings boost, and it also frees up a lot of oxygen in the room for others to rise to the occasion. So, you know, they might be prepared to just have Roman be a special attraction already, um, and just showing up for big shows, even if uh, even if he's turns babyface and um, turns on the Rock, but. It still could go the other way, and Roman can just stay in the bloodline, and they turn on Rock, and but Rock's going heavy. I mean, Jason, can Rock go from this? You guys are all crack, you know, crackheads and meth heads, to suddenly, oh, just kidding, I was just having fun. Um, now cheer me, because we got business to take care of to take out Reigns and, and Heyman. I mean, I suppose he can, but he's leaning in hard in the meantime.
1: but he's one of the few guys that could insult you on a Monday and you'd be best friends with him by Wednesday. He he just possesses that ability. Um, you know, I, I really think that people would forget every insult that he's done over the past couple of weeks. If somehow or another, he ended up being the baby face in this whole thing, people would forget this because of who he is. He's the rock and oh well, yeah, he was just having fun. And I, I, that's, one of the magnificent things about this character is that he is so, I guess, easily forgivable. Oh, you insulted me, but, well, you're The Rock, and you're kind of awesome, and now all of a sudden you want to be my friend again? Yeah, I'm okay with that.
0: Yep. All right. Um, anything else, Chris, before we move on to other calls?
2: uh no i that's it i um yeah. won't
0: take up any airtime from the other callers but um so it would, far, it would be this
2: is still remaining pretty intriguing
0: chris it would be bad if you took up the Sorry, first God. 40 minutes of the show before i got to another caller right oh i was aiming
3: for that that was my
2: <laughs> that was my water level i was aiming for
0: 40 but you know i
2: i'll be a little bit more gracious than uh yeah. maybe the bloodline was exactly or maybe hollywood yeah. rock and i'll uh i'll defer to others so yeah thanks for taking my call guys i appreciate it and i'll try to call in
0: next week when yeah. the rock is back in uh texas sounds great uh thanks chris good good call to start thanks, things chris. off here. our number if you want to join the conversation tonight 347-215-8558 347-215-8558 all right let's go to uh, aj in virginia aj thanks for calling uh i think la Knight's looking for you uh what's on your mind tonight
4: Hey, Wade, Jason, how are you guys?
0: Good, good. Thanks for laughing at my lame joke.
4: All right. Uh, of course. I, I always find you hilarious, Wade. <laughs> All your jokes always crack me up. Oh, well, so. good.
0: I appreciate it. <laughs> so. AJ, are you there? Jason, can you hear me? okay so uh it looks like we just lost oh there aj hey aj sorry to interrupt we we lost you while you after you started talking so just start your comments over again
4: oh sure no worries yeah so i had a few issues with the segment today the rock bloodline segment i i wanted to love it but for some reason some parts just didn't work well for me so um i'll kind of go through the list real quick and feel free to give me your thoughts on them. So the the part where you kept saying wrestling is cool again just rubbed me the wrong way as someone who's been a fan for, you know, the last 20, 30 years. It just makes you question the fandom, right? That people who've loved wrestling all these years think it's cool. The Rock just decided to reappear. And frankly, it's the bloodline that really made the last two years, super cool. I just feel he's taking a lot of the credit for things that he hasn't necessarily contributed to. So that, that part just sort of rubbed me the wrong way. His, his look, the shirt that he wore today, what he wore last week or, or two weeks prior, for some reason, wait, I 90s, right? the nineties heel rock. It looked cool for some reason looks super awkward on him now. And I don't know what it is, but I remember the kickoff show for WrestleMania where he wore that black tank top and he just looked totally badass. And he actually looked completely integrated with the bloodline in terms of the look, right? Because they, they do a lot of black, they do a lot of red. I'm just sort of seeing the integration of the rock with the bloodline it's literally like you're watching a split screen with the 90s rock (laughs) on the left and the cool bloodline on the right and and i don't know how others feel about it but i think it's a misstep because the beauty behind the bloodline is to show that integration to show the strength to show the unity and i just feel they're missing it because over the last two, or three years, what The Bloodline has done exceptionally well is showcase a nuanced, high-performance-driven narrative, and The Rock's just kind of throwing it all out. You know, he's mm-hmm. walking on water, saying whatever he wants, and as a fan, I think he's doing The Bloodline dirty because they really made it cool the last few years with the narrative and the story and i'm just disappointed that someone like the rock is not elevating it but in fact he's actually tanking the bloodline so i wanted to get your thoughts on that and i've got one last item to call out between uh when roman interrupted the rock as well
0: so I don't do this often, but I'm going to read an email in in support of the argument you just made also, AJ, from uh, Nicholas from Massachusetts. He goes, After the WrestleMania press event, I was really excited about The Rock. When he was yelling at Cody on stage, I got shivers. I couldn't wait to see his new heel character. That's why when he came out last week doing his 90s rock shtick, I felt like down. I was hoping for a more serious Hollywood Hogan type of rock. I wanted that guy who was swearing at Cody and Triple H, and I got The Rock. Rewind, making fun of your hometown and cracking jokes about other wrestlers. I wanted The Rock to come out with Roman to Roman's music. I want them to make us believe Roman and Rock were on the same page. I wanted an explanation of how they fit together in the bloodline. This just feels like The Rock as a sidecar to the bloodline, and I'd rather not have him involved at all. Um, so, AJ, first, I'll throw it to you. What do you have to say to— percent Yeah, exactly. Yep. So you each kind of said it in your own way, and I was like, I have a complimentary email here that um, it, it, to, to add to this. So, um, yes, I I, I can't— the Rock not doing what The Rock has done all these years it has some risk. Um, when we see him with Cena, it's Rock doing his bit. Um, and rock it's just Rock being Rock, you know? And, and when he's come back before he's done it, to leave that comfort zone and to integrate into a, a, a really successful faction that has been a really big part—I mean, the, the centerpiece of WWE for a couple of years— and to instead just do your shtick and not actually introduce a new chapter, I understand your your sentiment. Um, I, I really do, and 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 Nicholas is too, and 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 feeling like we're missing out on something. And I think it's not just the body language of Roman seeming like he's there to just watch Rock do his routine and stand in the background, which again might be deliberate, and it might, or or maybe it's maybe it's not deliberate, but they're going to make the best of it. It could also be that with his storyline. Um, but you, I, I can't help, and you can't help but imagine what if Rock came out to the Bloodline theme and didn't do his shtick, and we got a whole new version of him? Would that serve the fan base, Roman and Heyman, and Solo and Jimmy, and the storyline, and ultimately where they go more? Um, and, you know, we're not going to get it. It's too late now. I mean, really. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I guess they could just start next week, but um, it's unlikely. Um, (laughs) Jason, uh, what what do you think of all this?
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. I think they could have made a bigger impact if they had said, you know, the Rock's coming out and he's going to be part of the bloodline. And he had done, I'm not saying uh, to be as stoic as Solo Sokoa, uh, but not to come out, grab the mic, and do – 1990s rock era um, insults and, you know, you know catering to the crowd. I really think they could have boosted the Bloodline saga a little bit more if he had just come out and endorsed yeah. Roman Reigns and I, I guess be a secondary character, which I know for a lot of wrestling fans would be, uh, you know, a trojan. Just to think of the Rock as a secondary character, but um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that if he had just come out and said I support the Bloodline, and he had been more of a secondary character in the background, uh, um, I, you know, above the sol, uh, Solo Sokoa, and uh, certainly above the um, Jimmy Uso, but yet been a silent partner in a way. I really think that he could have benefited the um, the whole Bloodline storyline. Uh, hell of a lot more
0: yeah well <laughs> we have what we have i i'm curious you know I, i'm pausing to think will there be a book written or a podcast where someone involved not brian gewertz of the rock but someone else it you know, not have to be hayman or roman or the usos or whatever one who, who talks about this someday you know what i mean like you know, did did the Rock show up and, and they're like, all right, here's our vision. And Rock's like, nah, nah, nah. The Rock's not going to do that. The Rock's going to do what the Rock does, and and just kind of you know, Hollywood big shot at them and and, and had Brian Gewirtz, you know at his side going, yep, yep, this is what we're doing. Um, or is this a real is this a real consensus collaboration and and they're like, no, no, we want you to do the Rock's bit. It's going to work better for where we're going. And I don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, I I've gotten. Observationally, there's been some sense that The Rock has been more of a dictator than a collaborator. Um, you know, that the people observing body language and, you know, whatever, you know, what they hear. Um, and that, you know, I guess I've been just told don't assume that Roman is just like, oh, it's so great Dwayne is here and whatever he wants is great. Like, I don't think that's the attitude internally. Um, but it doesn't mean it's contentious, but it just means they're adapting. To The Rock And it's not Necessary I, I think some of the stuff We see on TV Might be a manifestation Of a little bit Of the reality of, of Rock And who can blame him I mean he's just such A huge 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 star A little rusty You know in terms of Being in front of A live crowd And you know The security blanket Is coming out And doing doing his shtick As opposed to Trying to branch out um, And you know I can see him thinking You know come on I'm a big deal Let me do my thing You work around it And it's not bad but I I I totally understand. Um, you know, the, I totally understand people thinking maybe this would be better a different way. HL, uh, I'll, I'll throw my right two for response here. Yeah, no,
4: uh, thanks, Wade. So yeah, you know, I I just think the last three years in particular, the wrestling fans have been conditioned to um expect better material better storylines thanks to the bloodline right so for you to just sort of take it away instantly and insert 90s rock i think it's just sort of a right to sort of appreciate the old but also like the whole new bloodline so so that part of it has just sort of been, been challenging. But there were two other parts that didn't sit well with me um, in this segment. So the part where Rock throws out the two options for Cody made no sense to me. Why would the Rock want to give Cody a path to have a one-on-one match with Roman with no involvement of the bloodline. I I just thought that was such a misstep that that's in fact, something Cody should ask for when he meets the rock and uh, Roman face to face. And he should say, you know, bloodline always wins because it's never fair. It's never one-on-one. What is it going to take for me to get a one-on-one match with Roman And maybe that's where The Rock jumps in and says, you know what? One on one match, no interferences, then you have to beat us or something like that. You know, I just thought it it was just really stupid how The Rock is just giving him a pass to have the one on one. And then he also says, if the Bloodline wins, I can bring a chair to night two and bash your brains in. It just—I yeah. mean—it just boggles my mind how the writing is just so terrible. When in here, the writing was just a masterpiece, Wade. I mean, <laughs> it, it just—it just makes no sense. Uh, so that—that that part was very frustrating for me, just to sort of hear because I think Cody should have demanded it, and then The Rock could have thrown that out as an option.
0: What if playing into the conspiracy theory? The Rock is a double agent, um, and he proposed this because when I mean we saw it with Dakota Kai and, and Bailey when you know when Roman reaches for a tag Rock drops off the ring apron and the crowd explodes going what and you know Cody or Seth you know hit a move and, and pin Roman um, and therefore the bloodlines banned from ringside. And Rock is just saying, you know, can say, Oh, you don't think you can win fair and square? Well, you know, now you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to prove you can. Is is there is there anything we've seen other than Rock being pretty hard on the local fans on the mic that precludes that? Because maybe that explains why Rock isn't integrating himself fully into the into the bloodline because he ultimately isn't. Um is it, is that something they could pull off given what they've done so far, Jason?
3: You
1: no, know, I I totally agree with the. Um, I I think it was done backwards. I I understand the the concept of why The Rock made that stipulation. It's the arrogance of the heels. Oh well, you know what? If you beat us, we'll 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 let you like we'll let you do anything you want. We'll, we'll borrow ourselves from ringside. You know, it was an arrogant heel statement to make, but I do, I do believe it would have been far more um, interesting if it had been Cody Rhodes who would said, I'll tell you what, we'll accept the tag match, but here's the deal. If we beat you, then the bloodline needs to be banned yeah. from ringside during the main event. I, I just yeah. thought it was done backwards. Yeah. I understand the arrogant kind of you know thing that they were trying to go for, but it just seemed like it was done in reverse, and it could have been done a little bit more
3: smoothly.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what do you think about the possibility Rock did it intentionally to put Roman in a position where he's got to be Cody Clean to kind of prove he deserves the head-of-the-table status?
4: I, I think the problem right now with the Rock going – so heavy on the fans and heavy handed by slapping Cody in the face is he's actually not doing a good job at being a double agent. Do you know what I mean? If he had sort of been somewhere in the middle with both Cody telling a very intriguing story where now everyone's going to study the rocks body language in terms of how he's looking at Roman versus how he's looking at Cody. But to just go so heavy-handed, you know, on one end um, is one thing. But I also agree with Jason. The Rock does have that type of charisma where he could go so heavy-handed on one side and then on WrestleMania night he turns on Roman and everyone cheers for him and they forget everything he said and (laughs) did, right? And and this is where, as a fan, it's just disappointing because the Bloodline story deserves so much more than this this rock fandom and and i just feel it's sort of his presence is sort of spoiling the beauty that they created mm-hmm. for the last three years consistently
0: yeah no i i, I get that i mean it, it's like a team uh, it's like a sports team that's like in first place and they're doing just fine and then the gm can't help but trade you know three beloved players maybe the you know the four the the third fifth and ninth best players on the team but still um you know part of the heart and soul to bring in a bigger star because that'll help them get over the hump and win a title and the chemist the chemistry is just blown and it turned you know there's a learning curve and you know he doesn't fit in you know like it kind of comes across a little bit like that as we watch this now i'm still open there's more than one way to do this and have it work and have it be thoroughly entertaining and have the payoff be satisfying. So I don't want to get too, myself, from my chair, I don't want to get too wrapped up in, well, here's what I think would have been better, so I'm going to judge everything against that standard, even if ultimately I think some of the things you're saying would make it better, I I want to remain very open to this still being really good, even if there's an asterisk, which is a little resentment of Rock walks in and doesn't really fully pay respect to what what's been accomplished while he's been gone, and 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 I I get that that's there, um, and maybe that feeling is 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 there in certain circles in WWE. I mean, obviously, him coming in and just being like, yeah, I, I I'm going to take on Roman Cody can wait. I'm the Rock. I mean, that's the perception, and the fans rebelled. Legit, it was not part of the plan. Um, they 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 adjusted to a reaction that at least Rock didn't anticipate, um, and so. You know, yeah. we've seen evidence that that is real life kind of what's happening. Rock kind of, you know, Hollywood big shotting himself in, in into it. But I always add this caveat. I don't really blame the rock. I mean, he's like, you you've been building for Cody Rock for a year, you've been or you know, two years, you've been building to me against Roman. That's been this undercurrent for years. But predating Cody, it works for me. I'm available. Cody's young. He'll be around. I'm getting older. Let's just do this now. I, I know it kind of sucks because you got two good choices. Um, you know, it's a sports analogy, you got the number one overall draft pick, you can't decide between two players. It's tough. You're gonna miss out on something if you go with whoever you go with, you're gonna miss out on something. And I think that's where they were. So I, I kind of understand Rock doing that, but you know, ultimately it'd have been good for him to just sort of defer to Levesque and Roman and be very open to discussion and collaboration and conceding what his instincts tell him a little bit. Um But, you know, then there's other higher ups, too, who, you know, are involved in this at TKL. So it's a complicated political situation. Um, uh, Jason, is there anything you want to add to this since you last spoke?
3: No,
1: I, you know, I agree with uh, everything that's been said so far. It's it's interesting television. The only thing I will say is that um, I think it's time or at least close to being time for the bloodline storyline to come to a conclusion. I think they have done a fantastic job. I'm so nervous that they're going to continue this bloodline storyline to the point where it has become ad nauseum and people won't care anymore. Right. And that that's just sad. And so I'm really hoping that they get to a point where they're like, okay, let's move on to the next storyline and not try to, you know, to uh, milk this any more than it needs to be. Uh, AJ,
0: anything you want to add to this conversation?
4: Before gonna... Yeah, just, just one last thing, Wade. Sure. So the, the segment where um, Roman interrupts the rock, <laughs> I, I thought that piece by itself, where he just holds his hand and doesn't let him finish, was, was such an amazing moment. <laughs> but what was missing was a story that would prompt him to put his hand out. There's literally nothing that was said. Mm-hmm. The Rock didn't even take a funny shot at Roman. And it was just so out of the blue and it was such a waste of such a beautiful opportunity because they can't do that again you know and I, i i wish there was something that had happened with even paul Heyman, for example where maybe the rock and roman are standing in the ring at the same time roman puts his hand out for the mic as he usually does And The Rock does, too. Mm -hmm. Who does Paul Heyman give the mic to? Do you know what I mean? And I'm I'm just spilling here, but there's so much material. And this is really where my frustration is coming from. And I hate to be a Debbie Downer because, look, it's still really entertaining. It's a whole lot of fun. I'm going to watch it every week. I'm going to watch WrestleMania. They could have done so much more. And it doesn't take a lot to think of these cool sequences to make these moments truly electrifying so i i'll I'll leave it there with you guys and i appreciate you taking my call wait and hearing me out thank you guys
0: absolutely thanks aj really good uh good good points good contributions to the show Uh, uh jason what do you think about that does anything cross your mind what they could have done to set that up or do you think it was that there's merit to the the approach they took which is sort of out of nowhere roman stood in the background been an audience for the rock boom he's been waiting for the rock waiting for The Rock to pay him the proper respect as head of the table. His patience ran out, and it manifested in that moment. Does that work without um, the point AJ's making, which is it would have been nice to have some foreshadowing or some hint other than people observing Rock is sort of bogarting or bigfooting these segments, um, and maybe that you know was intentional and not an un- unwanted side effect.
1: I think that the uh, WWE has done a fantastic job of um, especially with the bloodline of trickling it through the, you know, the the evolution that it needed to be gone through. And this particular aspect seems to just have been dumped on uh, very suddenly. So I don't know if it's part of the audible of the, you know, um, Cody Rhodes, People, rains, and they—they've had to, you know, you know, rewrite things as quickly as possible. Uh, everything was done so subtly. If you go all the way back to the Sami Zayn and the Jay Uso, everything was like it was just enough of a nugget to get you to tune in next week to see what happened. And now it seems like it's a snowball almost leading up to an avalanche. I, I don't know if it, it is because of the the audible that had to be called, but yeah, it, there there's not a lot of subtlety going on. And I think when it comes to the bloodline, and I think that maybe that's why me personally, I'm starting to get tired of it, is because they have gotten to the point where it's like, um, it, it, it's like getting hammered into you every week, as opposed to the subtle nuances they did for years.
0: Well, we've teed things up for someone I'm excited to have back on to contribute to this conversation, which is Jason Australia. And we're going to go to him. We have Brian from Phoenix on deck as our on-site correspondent, so we'll, we'll get his take on what it was like in the building. But first, we'll uh, go to Jason Australia, who co-hosted with me last week and is back to contribute his thoughts on SmackDown. I assume you're not here to talk about uh, Braun Breaker, first and foremost. Jason, welcome.
5: Thanks, Wade. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, that's actually what I'm calling up. I thought Brian Breaker looked great against <laughs> Zion Quinn. I don't like the fact that he did it against a fellow Australian in Zion because he's a former rugby league player. But, hey, Brian Breaker, mate, he's on his way. Um, but, no, in, <laughs> I I appreciate everything that AJ said, but I kind of have a, a counterpoint to this, Wade. I'm more confident and I have more um, faith in WWE's riding moving forward. I think... Last week when I came on and I spoke to you, I thought that The Rock is a double agent. But I still think they're positioning Rock to be a babyface. So I'm, I'm going against the double agent thing, but I think he might go against Roman. I just have more confidence in their writing. I go back to what Drew McIntyre said a few weeks ago. He said, we all know how the main event's going to end. The bloodline's going to interfere. Then we had Solo interfering against Cody and Drew McIntyre picking up the win for Cody's only his second loss. So it's almost like they've given us that finish. They're not going to give it again. The way that I see it playing out, I, I, I believe this is going to ultimately turn to a rock babyface turn in between night one and night two. Now that I've set up this tag match, I can see the rock eating the pin and this really annoying Roman Reigns because now he has to go one-on-one with Cody thanks to the rock eating the pin. And I can see the bloodline trying to interfere because if this is the tribal chief, he's the one that has the final say, not The Rock. In his mind, he's going to overrule The Rock, but then The Rock's going to say, no, I'm a man of my word. We lost the match. Cody gets it one-on-one with you. Then that's how I think you set up WrestleMania 41. I think The Rock is going to be humbled by the loss on night one. And I know people are asking, well, if he has all this power, why does he give Cody this option of having the bloodline not on night two? Well, listen, he's a confident heel. We could always go back and say, why did Vince McMahon give Stone Cold all these opportunities? Why not just strip him off the title if he's the boss? Well, because he's arrogant and he's a heel and he thinks that he's going to be able to overcome Stone Cold. He's going to put all these obstacles in front of him and it's going to be even sweeter to defeat him. And that's the way The Rock sees it. He's a man. even though he's a heel... He's a man of his word, and he's going to give them the opportunity. But ultimately, he feels Roman and The Rock, it's the number one family in in, in professional wrestling, and there's a reason why he said that, and that's why he's given Cody the opportunity. Would it have been better if Cody offered that? I guess so in a way, but I can understand Rock's character offering this to him. Now, getting back to Rock talking about professional wrestling, the way it's so ironic that when you think of sports entertainment, you think of Vince McMahon, I think The Rock emphasising professional wrestling is his way of saying we're no longer dealing with Vince McMahon. And professional wrestling has never been cooler or hotter because Vince McMahon's gone. I think it's their subtle way of saying the sports entertainment era is over, which you associate with Vince McMahon. We want everything associated with him and all the words associated with him gone. This is professional wrestling. This is the this, um, industry that I grew up in. It's part of my bloodline. It's professional wrestling. Now, I don't know if you guys caught the uh, promo that The Rock cut on Twitter. He posted on social media. that went for twenty minutes. He did a wonderful job of really put, coming across with his point of view, and from a storyline point of view, and also just a um, from a shoot point of view, if you like, why he wanted the match with Roman Reigns. And I think he did a wonderful job in this twenty-minute promo of blurring the lines between um, reality and fiction. So. I think just the way that I'm reading the tea leaves, I think it's ultimately leading to a rock baby face turn in between night one and night two. And I just love the story they're telling with Roman and that he is so frustrated. He wasn't getting the acknowledgement from the crowd. He's feeling like he's been downplayed and he needed the rock to acknowledge him to build his confidence up. So I believe next week we will see the rock come out to the Bloodlines music because all is well in Roman's world and The Rock can be the baby face because he is saying, OK, Roman, I see where you're coming from. I acknowledge with you. I'm on your side. I'm doing this for you. It's all about the paranoid king, Roman, feeling like he's losing power. And, you know, he needs The Rock to acknowledge him and The Rock's willing to do that. Then next week you will come out to the music. That's the way I see things playing out.
0: It's interesting when AJ brings up, you know, we needed some... Something to set up Roman putting his hand on the microphone and saying, I need one thing from you, is that did that come at the beginning of the segment where Roman had the crowd three times acknowledge him properly? And that was showing us a sign of insecurity that was showing us a need for, you know, what uh, uh, I'm trying to avoid saying acknowledgement, but he needed validation um, from the crowd to make up for his insecurities of, of The Rock being around. And the good part is, uh, Jason, uh, uh, co-host Jason, um, we've got, you know, a, a month for this, a month plus for this story to be told. And so we're not on a rush, um, even if, you know, we got two more weeks of The Rock at least um, in a row here. Uh, we'll, uh, so co-host Jason, what do you think of what Jason Australia said?
1: You know, I think that The Rock in the next couple of weeks leading up to WrestleMania has to be one of the most... Um, Unusual versions of the rock that we've seen. I think he needs to be subservient. I think he needs to be kowtowing to Roman Reigns because I think, and I, I totally agree with uh, uh, Jason Australian. Uh, if if we have a rock turn on night one of WrestleMania, that is going to build the excitement for night two with Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes, because you 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 you're always gonna imagine that the Rock is somehow or another gonna screw uh, Roman Reigns. Although I'd hate to see it happen because you'd like to see Cody win it uh, clean. But I I really think Roman has found his footing as an absolute heel, and uh, it would be nice to see um, the Rock kind of say, you know what, I, I, I tried. I tried to get along with the bloodline. You're just way too into You're not as important as you think. And uh, I, I think that would be a, a fantastic two-night WrestleMania to have The Rock kind of get the... Um, it, take the pin, which is I think is awesome, on Saturday. And that eventually leading to Roman taking the loss to Cody night number two. And there, I think you start to... See, you know your your feud for Roman and um, uh, The Rock heading into the next WrestleMania 41.
0: Uh Jason Australia, back to you. Yeah, I think it's important to stipulate. I don't see
5: The Rock interfering on behalf of quote Cody, but I see him
0: thwarting the
5: Bloodline because Roman is wouldn't be happy with The Rock eating the pin, and right. Roman's not entirely happy with The Rock making this stipulation. He's the Triple Chief. He didn't sign off on this, so he has an out, and because and now he's been put in this situation because of the Rock losing, not because of Roman. So I can see him going behind the Rock's back and going behind the stipulation and asking the bloodline to eat the fear. but the Rock coming out and saying, "Listen, I'm, no, stopping that because he's a man of his word. I know he's a heel, but he did lose to Cody. They did lose the tag match. He's a man of his word, and that sets him up for the babyface turn. So I think that it happens. It's I think look. I just give them far more credit with their storytelling. I think they've obviously had to adjust on the fly, but I think they've dropped little hints here and there as to tell us where they're heading with this. And Roman playing that paranoid king who's sort of losing his power to his cousin and needing him to fall into line. They're they're telling a story here and I just wanna let it play out. And I know it's not always gonna be perfect, but at the end of the day, it was meant to be Seth Rollins versus CM Punk. So, you know, they've had to adjust on the fly here. This is a massive, massive event. So I try and give them all the credit in the world for doing this. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing is, Wade, Drew McIntyre, does he need, and Jason, does he need a match on night one or does he get a free pass and say, listen, I I, I don't need to have a match on night one. If you want to do double duty, (laughs) Seth, that's up to you. I told you not to get involved. So if Drew ends up defeating Seth, once again, okay, he defeats Seth after Seth's had two matches now, and he can claim that he's a savior, but once again, he's sort of taking advantage of someone else being hurt in a previous instance. Because if you look at the booking of Elimination Chamber, Drew McIntyre took advantage of other people doing the hard work, and then he comes in. So once again, that sort of furthers his character as well.
0: Uh, Does it hurt? Uh, Man, Seth Rollins is going to be in the main event. Of WrestleMania night one, but playing fourth fiddle to Rock and Roman and Cody. And then Drew McIntyre, who's gonna he's going to have his world title win at WrestleMania, perhaps. And it's going to be, what, the opening match of night two? Or, you know, like, it's, he, he isn't getting his WrestleMania main event because of this. So, like, I mean, obviously CM Punk has it worse because he's not even on the show. But Drew McIntyre, you know, as the backup plan... And one who's shining um, as that backup plan is now, I mean, I guess Seth could work the tag match at the beginning of night one, have three and a half hours off, and then lose to Drew. And then it kind of plays into what you're saying, Jason. Do you, do you, you, I mean, but you can't, Oh, can you open night one of WrestleMania with a rock? Or do you think this really does eliminate the world title from being the main event of either night? Uh, uh, Jason, Australia first, then then we'll go to Jason, Uh, co-host Jason, Jason Goodspeed.
5: The way that I see it, Wade and Jace, is that whatever furthers the character of Drew McIntyre. So I don't really care. Could you open up with a tag match? I guess. But then I guess it's a bit of a, a downer all the way. No, I, I think it depends on what the ending is. Look, so I, I believe that Cody and Seth are going to win the tag match, right? So then that just sets up. You Because WWE always like to leave events with asking like sort of a question that was going to lead into the next night, you know, It's going to be Cody and Roman one-on-one. You know, what does this mean? There's going to be no bloodline. It's going to have people excited for Cody versus Roman. I don't think Drew needs the last match. I know it says main event, but they've got four main events supposedly with the women as well. I just think uh, Drew taking advantage of Seth and having that championship and claiming it like he's worked so hard for this and all the rest of it, which he has, but to have that sort of a bit of an out that fans can boo him, I think that's the way to go because the other thing you've got to think about now, and I've noticed this with the crowd, you want to keep Drew as a heel because he's almost becoming so entertaining. And people are really laughing at him with all this CM Punk stuff. He can't, he's got to have something, he's got to maintain that sort of hypocritical nature to him where fans can boo him because if he becomes so entertaining and just earns everything the clean way he's going to be turned babyface. So I think you want to move forward with him as this hypocritical heel who thinks he's done all this hard work, but he's had all these shortcuts given to him, but he refuses to acknowledge it because he's only looking at it in his way and through his eyes. So I think that plays into his character more.
0: Uh, Jason, co-host. Jason Goodspeed, what do you think?
1: I would love to see the, um, the tag team match open up WrestleMania night one. Um, establish Cody Rhodes as the winner to go on to main event night two. And I would love to see the night one main event be Seth versus Drew. Drew take the title. And exactly like Jason Australia said, uh, you know, to be able to just brag and boast and pat himself on the back, you know, I I worked so hard to do this and I'm the world champion. Now Uh, I think that would be, um, Fantastic for his character, <laughs> yeah. and it does give a little bit of an out for Seth to be able to say, "Well, look, I wrestled in this tag match to begin night one of WrestleMania. I had to close out night one of WrestleMania defending my championship." So it gives him that little bit of an out. So when he get does get beat, doesn't hurt that uh, um, the mystique of Seth Rollins. But yeah, I, I really think that could that could do a lot to boost Drew's character.
0: Uh, to both Jasons, I want to introduce an email on this specific topic and get get your response to it. Brad in Nashville says, uh, I just don't like this. Yes, that's a big tag match for night one. It will attract eyes, but it undermines night two. It's too much. Cody already has a match lineup for night two, and this is for a fair match the next night. Give me a break. This is just an excuse to get Rock an easy match. And also squeezes Drew McIntyre, who I believe has earned the main event on night one. And why would Seth even bother with joining in this match from a logic standpoint? What's in it for him other than getting softened up for Drew while already hurt? This match might bring a lot of eyes, but it is simply illogical other than squeezing the rock onto the marquee. Now, Drew, uh, they tried to cover that basis with Drew and Seth on Monday where Seth is like, you know, the world title is important. What we're doing is important, but as long as the bloodline is out there nothing matters they're just they're gonna there's this dark cloud that's going to influence everything we need to take any chance we can to take them out so i think they tried to lay the groundwork for that that'd be my response to to brad in nashville um, jason australia what do you think of that email and, and you can follow up on on what uh, uh, jason goodspeed said too i see exactly what brad is saying but like I said, everything got
5: thrown out because of CM Punk's injury. I can completely understand the rock from an objective point of view, thinking that this WrestleMania needs the rock. And look, wait—you can always pick apart things, right? Nothing's perfect. I like the way it's played out. Um, I wasn't talking about having the tag team match open up, but I can see Jason's point of view. So. Either way, Wade, I don't really care the order or how it plays out. I'm, I'm looking at what's going to happen the night after and where we're going after WrestleMania. So if Drew walks out as a champion and he can, and, and, and Seth had that extra match before him and Drew celebrates like he's worked out really hard to get it and he also has a backup in his saying because he can tell Seth, hey, I told you not to get involved with this. That was your decision. You decided to do double duty, not me. You know, he also has that truth that he can play on. As long If he walks out as a champion and gets his moment and whatnot, I don't have an issue with that. And for me, it's all about where they go next. So I, I'm not as down on this as what other people are. I can see people are upset that The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, feels like he has to insert himself into this. But like I said, I mean, it is WrestleMania 40. It is The Rock. And we don't know... With The Rock, when he cut that promo on social media earlier today and it went up for 20 minutes, I mean, we don't know how much of The Rock, and I, I'm sure he played a massive part in this $5 billion Netflix deal. We don't know what has been told to these people. You know, The Rock's going to have this certain involvement and this this is what we're doing. You've got to look big picture as well. So I'm, I'm not I'm not really big on this whole, oh, The Rock's sort of inserting himself, it's unfair, or this person earned the right to this moment or whatever. I always look at it like, what's the best thing ultimately for the business? How do we not disrupt the pushes that we've got going along with organic stars like Cody Rhodes? And as far as Drew McIntyre is concerned, I don't have any feeling for him because i um, feeling like he needs to earn something or whatever because his character is the hottest it's ever been. He's earning millions of dollars. He's in a great part on the card. Whether he's the last match or whatnot, if he walks out the champion and the next night on Raw, he has further juice to his character – to set up money matches with CM Punk they set up money matches with a Seth Rollins rematch and other people, I'm kind of happy with that. So I'm more I'm more content where things are heading because I can see, I, I'd like to think, a, a bigger picture.
0: Uh, Jason Goodspeed.
1: I, would be, I know that this is going to fly in the uh, face of conventional wisdom for a lot of people. I would love to see a heel turn with Seth Rollins, I would love to see him open up WrestleMania night one, lose that match with uh, you know or uh, win you uh, have Cody win that match so he can go on and yet he loses the title later that night. and that sort of sets into motion the fact that he's upset that you know he defended Cody and yet it, his defense of Cody cost him the championship. And usually, right around WrestleMania, right after they do a lot of the um, uh, the roster shuffles, and maybe we can go and revisit the Cody Rhodes Seth Rollins rivalry on whatever brand they happen to be on. Uh, it was a hot rivalry, and I think that it is time for Seth Rollins to have that. Uh, you know, I know he's got his little sing along with the with the fans, but. He is so much better off as a heel. He just resonates so much better as a heel. And I could see him having a nice feud with Cody Rhodes moving forward over the, you know, the Universal Championship. Um, so that's where I, I see the, if I was booking the whole thing, I, it would be making Cody Rhodes the, the you know, the hero. He's got the belt. And then you got this this uh, this villain. Uh, And Seth Rollins, and he's so upset because he was trying to help this guy and because he tried to help them, he ended up being weakened and Drew McIntyre took his title. Uh, That that would be how I would book
5: the thing if it was up to me.
0: All right, uh, Jason, Australia, back to you. Anything else you want to bring up?
5: Yeah, I I really like that idea a lot, and I can see Seth going down that path thinking that he tried to do something. I mean, he said it's and then once again, Drew McIntyre can sort of be that black devil on his shoulder after he takes the title from Seth saying, was it really worth it? You know, was it really worth it? So once again, mm-hmm. playing into Drew's character and then Seth sort of turning to that dark side. And Jason raises a good point. You look at the history. It's all well and good that Cody wins the title if, if he wins it. And we hope that, I think a majority of us hope he does. So if he does, most important thing, the night after... Who have they got lined up for credible challenges for that title? I mean, we saw with Austin, right, when he won it in 98. Okay, he defeats Shawn Michaels. Who's next? Lee man dude loves someone who's comfortable working with. It's always that next opponent, Shawn Michaels after he won it. Okay, we go straight into a personal feud with Diesel. And then, you know, he has these other challenges. So Cody Rhodes, he's challenger for that title. As soon as he, after he wins it, it's going to have to be someone who has a history with it is personal with so we can continue on with the momentum so we don't want this all this momentum for Cody just to suddenly drop once he finishes this story another story has to emerge him defending the title and if you have a bitter Seth Rollins who feels like he put the company and everyone ahead of himself coming after Cody I think that's a great story to tell so yeah I would definitely like to see that play out
0: Uh, cool Uh, Jason anything else you want to add anything else on this topic or another one
1: Absolutely, I'm good on that. I I, I think I'm on uh, total agreement with Jason Australia about. Uh, I think that we are we could absolutely be setting ourselves up for a uh, fantastic feud between Rollins and Rhodes
0: if they choose to go down that road. Uh, Jason Australia, anything else you want to add? And just 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 to wrap it up, I
5: think. Yeah. We, Rock's gone out of his way to call Seth Rollins a bit of a clown and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I've sort of seen a change in Seth Rollins' character over the past few weeks. Yes, he comes out dancing and everything, but I would like to see a more serious Seth Rollins. I think this laughing, the clothes and all the rest of it, being half a joker or whatnot, I think that's played its course. I think people like to see serious Seth Rollins. They like it when he gets down to business. And his, his promos, I think, have been tremendous over the past couple of weeks if they can transition to that into a heel Seth Rollins with some venom behind him and some bitterness behind him, in a different kind of way to Drew, but coming after Cody, then I think we've got serious money there. And Seth will always have that chip on his shoulder that he hasn't beaten Cody yet. So that's going to fuel his fire as well. Just quickly, wait, you've know yeah. got other people on. I know you've got to get to Brian. Just overall from the show, I thought um, probably predictable that Dakota Kai was going to turn on Bailey, but... I guess I had to tell that story. Does it make Bayley look like an idiot? I don't know. I think people will forgive her, you know, come WrestleMania. They'll want to see Bayley against Eo. I did find it stark, the image of Jade Cargill just towering over Eo Sky. Um, That, to me, just really stood out. (laughs) Um, Another thing, obviously, it it was great with Ray coming back, but that's a wonderful thing. The crowd loved that. And also with the tag title situation, I thought we were going to get an answer regarding that, but then uh, Nick, I was he, he was distracted by someone else. So I wonder if they're going to split up the tag titles that have them one exclusive for all, one exclusive to SmackDown go back to the way they did. So I think a few moving cuts there, but wait, I appreciate you having me on. Nice speaking yeah. to you, Jason, and I'll, I'll let you get back to everyone else.
0: Great. Thanks, Jason. Australia. Thank you. So yeah, I think uh, I, I think Dakota Kai did a good enough job making Bailey not look like an utter fool for at least still being a little on edge, but giving her a chance to prove her loyalty. Um, because Dakota Kai did seem sincere, believably sincere enough. When you remove, it's pro wrestling, and of course she's going to turn on her from the, the default position that, that all fans would expect a babyface to have in this situation. Um, Jason, what did you think of, of how this played out? Broke
1: my heart because I (laughs) have a soft spot for Dakota Kai. Yeah. I, I, you know, I really was hoping. I mean, I, I kind of thought, uh, storyline wise, it was best for her to betray Bailey. But at the same time, I was like, what if she and Bailey and someone like Jade uh, Cargill, uh, formed their own damage control to go against the other trio of damage control? Mm Um, you know, I mean, it was. It was pro wrestling 101. It was, it was written on the wall. It doesn't make it bad. It was awesome that she betrayed Bailey because that's just what we've been conditioned to believe. But at the same time, because I just love Dakota Kai so much, I'm like, come on. I was really hoping for something more. Um, and, and, and to go back to what he was just saying about the tag titles, please, I've mentioned this so many times, please split those tag titles back up there's so many good teams raw and smackdown need their own tag team titles it does not need to be unified anymore and i'm hoping that that is where they're going with this whole nick all this
5: thing
0: yeah it certainly is intriguing um if they're committed to the roster split and they have two separate men's world titles you know um you know, it makes sense to have separate men's tag team titles. If you're Nick Aldis and Adam Pierce trying to negotiate for rights to the tag team t- champs, and and maybe disagreeing on who the top contenders are, you can create a storyline to justify it. Of course, the downside being, the downside of having two men's world titles, two women's world titles. It it, it who is the real champion then of WWE? Um, you know, what are we really fighting for? And that that's a, it's an exponentially watered down in AEW. With, with all the titles that they have. All right, we have Brian from Phoenix patiently waiting after attending tonight, witnessing The Rock um, in person in, uh, in Glendale. Brian, thanks for calling. Welcome to the post show. Hey, Way. Hey, Jason. How are you both doing this evening? Good. How about you? Thank, Thank you. you. I'm doing fine, Jason. Okay, I should
6: say, by the way, my middle name is Jason. So now you've had like three Jasons in the hallway.
0: I couldn't quite hear what you said, but something about you're in the hallway. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm
6: trying. I thought I was in a pretty quiet spot.
0: No, we're hearing a lot of background noise still.
6: Sorry about that. Wait, yeah, I'm trying to see if I can get into a better quiet spot. I was in a really good quiet spot. Once you yeah. go ahead and ask your first question, please, and I'll try to keep up. I'm off into a better spot.
0: Yep. So, um, uh, uh, first of all, you've been to a lot of shows in your hometown from a crowd size and energy standpoint where does this fall did it feel like you were part of a red hot product and as rock said pro wrestling is cool again uh talk about the vibe in that building relative to other times you've gone over the decades
6: well Wade it was um really interesting and hopefully you can hear me a little bit better you're much better now better quiet spot um okay thanks thanks Wade and Jason I really appreciate it hopefully everybody has a really great night too by the way um so it said it was sold out, and to me, you know, where I was sitting at, it did look like it was sold out. I mean, there were no seats available. I scanned around. There was uh, some people just, you know, maybe standing room only. I'm not sure if that's exactly correct, but there were some there were some areas where, because it's a hockey arena, that you could sit and stand, or, or I'm sorry, stand, and have, like, um, tables like you can put your cups at and things like that. The sound, though, because I was in the upper level, didn't seem like it raised up very much. Like, the last time that... Smackdown was here. It seemed like to me it would be a little bit louder last time than it was this time, but again it was we had a pretty good audience. And wait I've to you mentioned this to you before that um, the arena, um, Desert Diamond Arena where the car was at today, it's in Glendale and Glendale's in the west part of Phoenix. And a lot of people live more so in the southeast part of Phoenix. So mm-hmm. it takes a while to get across to this side of the town. So, and the card started at um, 5.45, and then, and then SmackDown started at 6 o'clock our time, of course, locally. So it took a few minutes, again, for the uh, arena to fill up. But by the time, you know, Rock and, and the Bloodline were finished, the, pretty much everybody that was there was going to be there. So I would uh, go back to your original question. I thought it was really well, but to me it seemed like the last time they were here was, in, I believe in September. It was a little bit louder.
0: Interesting. Um, the The crowd reaction to Rock specifically, Brian, um, it felt like there was a bit of an ebb and flow. Uh, talk about the reaction to his music, walking to the ring, standing in the ring, insulting the fans, having a confrontation of sorts with Roman Reigns. How, how, how Describe the mood of the crowd, and again, the ebb and flow of, of cheers versus booze, Rocky sucks versus Rocky. So
6: what was another pretty good mix because I was sitting around, I would say a lot more older fans. Um, there were a few, you know, kids around me and they were you know, pretty, you know, you hear when when kids you can hear it sound kind of fun, fun. And they were pretty much mostly the kids, I should say, booing rock. The adults were just kind of laughing along with rock. You know, when he said something, you know, more fan friendly-ish, you know, they, we laughed and, you know, and, and things like that. But once he started talking a little bit more about Cody, um, and, and maybe even Seth a little bit. I know, you know, Seth probably, got, Seth probably, Seth got the short straw this whole thing, you know, as much as little as he was mentioned. But you know, Rock is, you know, really good command of the of the com- command of the ring and command of the audience. And I thought it was mostly the adults kind of just laughed along with it, while the kids are a little bit more madder when he was, you know, riffing on us.
0: Co-host Jason, uh, jump in with a question f- for Brian. Uh, I was wondering, uh,
1: you know, I we- there was a lot of uh, backstage segments and nothing really in ring with it, uh, as it pertained to L.A. Night. But when his segments actually were on the big screen, uh, what was the crowd reaction?
6: Uh, good question, Jason. Jason, it's good talking to you. Um, so it's interesting, Jason, if you mention that, because maybe because he didn't show up in person the last time that uh, SmackDown was here, he, I mean, it was a lot more ruckus for for LA Knight. So I'm not sure if it was because he wasn't, he never showed, he never showed a person, or because maybe he's cooling off. I'm not sure which one it would have, would have been. But you know, still, of course, it was a lot. Of yeah, 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 like that. Um, one thing I would also mention, Jason and Wade as well, um, during the commercial breaks, so like for example, when the Bloodline and I'll say Bloodline segment ended. Well, actually, let's let's change that. While the Bloodline waited for The Rock to come out. The lights went down, and they stayed in the ring. So, yeah. um, you know, while the commercials, while you were saw commercials, yeah, they stayed in the ring while it was dark, and then the lights came back on, and then that's when Rock came out. Similarly, as well, when uh, Bloodline segment was over, uh, the lights went out, and then they all left the ring together. So that's how everybody segued. Um As far as the commercial breaks were concerned, you know, you know, now WWE is pretty much automatic when it comes to, what they do during commercials to kind of keep us entertained and we're not too bored. You know, they had the, the DX chop cam, chop cam. they had a, a kiss cam, they had uh, people holding their signs up. So we were pretty much entertained, but, let, yeah, the ring just went dark, and then and either the wrestlers were standing there waiting. If it was like, they, if they were, um, if they had like a ring entrance and then had a commercial and then the next person, the next team came out, they decided in the dark, uh,
0: waiting. Was there any way to see what they were doing while they were waiting? Um, like were they just chatting? Around
6: for the most part, yeah. way. You know nothing. Yeah, you know. Um, you know, if it was like the, I say, the bloodline. Yeah, they were talking pretty much amongst themselves, and you know, and the Kaluki warriors similarly as well. But other than that, it was, you know, either or, or talking to the ref, I should say that as well. Um, I know a couple times ago where when that happened with the, with the new day. When uh, they had when they came out, it was a commercial break. They actually went out and went out into the audience and like deep into the audience and went slap hands and things like that. Right. Yeah. But nothing, none of that happened this evening where the are interacted. <laughs>
0: well, um, was there any? Did you sense at all during the Roman and Rock segment, as long as it lasted, including the commercial break, that there was any restlessness by the fans at any point early on, midpoint, at the end, or was it just star power and compelling, edge your seat fan participation? We don't care if we're not getting a match till the forty-five minute mark. This is great stuff. Like, what what was the vibe in the building given the length of that opening segment?
6: I want to say, wait, I think that overall, to my opinion, it seemed like we kind of expected it was going to be like that once it was announced that the Rock was going to be here. I'm pretty sure most of the, you know, most of the the fans would have realized it was going to they were going to be out there for a little while. I didn't I didn't sense anything with it being, you know, just besides the long ring entrances. You know, that would probably be the only part of it. But once they were in the ring and actually talking, then it was, um, it, 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 it there was, everybody was, you know, paying attention, let's say it that way, wait. And I know that, I mean, there was a lot of oohs and ahs, of course, when, you know, with the mic, and, or, uh, with Roman grabbing the mic before, before the Rocks, you know, start saying, saying any, or saying, when the, when, if you, if you smell and, um, acknowledging them. There was a lot of oohs and ahs there. And then when they kind of flashed um, Paul Heyman's looks, Paul Heyman's look at that, so it was like a lot of ooh and on, at least in my section when it came to that.
0: What was the crowd reaction like for Naomi compared to Bailey? For instance, um, was it clear Bailey's way more over or Naomi's way more over? Um, I, I'm I'm curious about where they each are, where, where each of them stood with the crowd tonight.
7: Naomi was
6: well received, Wade, but Bailey was—I mean, she was the the. the I'll, I'll say it. I think she was the most over woman that was there tonight because of a lot of Bailey chants and, you know, the, the guy sitting next to me was like, you know, he was really, he was, he was, but before they even showed um, um, Dakota Kai, he was like, she's going to turn on She's going to turn on her. Turn on her. Mm-hmm. So we were all on Bailey's side. Naomi got again, well received, but there was this little girl next to me that was uh, Tiffany Stratton. I thought she kept saying Tiffany, Tiffany. So that was, that was pretty funny. Um, so, yeah.
0: How did uh, How the crowd react to the turn? Were they shocked or like, ah, oh, crap? We knew this was coming, but we hoped it wasn't. By Dakota. Um, the the
6: people that around me were again the the one guy was sitting next to me. He he, that's you know, he as soon as they even flashed um the tag team uh sign up, or the the Mac sign up, I should say. He's like, the Dakota's gonna turn. And so the crowd was a little shocked. Probably, you know, most of the, i say the younger people were were, were mostly shocked at it. And, you know, I know way that somebody said this, and I don't want to misquote the person or misquote a name, but they said it. They say that it's based on Dakota Kai's hair, the way she wears her hair. You could tell she's going to be a bad person or a good person. Mm-hmm. And I forgot about what exactly what it was it was like when her hair was like up. That she's bad or down as good or something like that. But uh, it was, um, again, c- because Bailey was so popular, I mean, really super popular, it was kind of like a big groan when um, Dakota dropped. Off. Well, w- well, actually, really, when Dakota fell off the ringside after the, the Kabuki roars attacked her, and she was down there for such a long time, you know, the regular fans, I'll say, were kind of like groaning, like, okay, why is she not getting up yet? Or why is she still down there? She didn't seem like she got hit that hard. So.
0: Bron Breaker. What was the crowd reaction for him? Did did he come across as like, hey, he's a future star, we're into him, or yeah?
6: Uh, I went out. Say it was more of the medium. It wasn't that they were that they, they <laughs> we weren't um, not excited for it. I think he got a, a strong reaction when he came out. Um, at first, I didn't recognize Zion, Zion Quinn uh, until they, but well they, well, they showed him, and then I like, then they showed his name, so I kind of I recognized him at that point. But, you know, I thought he was uh, he was warmly received. And, you know, then by the time, you know, Spear happened so quick and then he jumped up, you know, it was a lot of applause for him. And a lot of the dog barking, too. I'm not sure if they came over on TV, but there was some dog barking, too.
0: Um, and then uh, just talk about the crowd reaction for uh, Randy Orton and also um, Waller and Austin Theory um, in the last televised match.
6: You know, I guess because of longevity, it, I would dislike to see Randy Orton turn back heel, you know, but it's always possible but he's just so besides Rey Mysterio, he was, I'd say probably, oh well, yeah, for the TV show he was uh, probably the most the most over baby face that was there Um, just everybody loved him and he stuck around um, at the end of the show, you know, went around the ringside you know, signing autographs and taking pictures so he was just, you know, totally over and, you know, more theory in and all of the more annoyances and being like you know people that were like they were they weren't necessarily hardcore heel got that kind of heat but just more of annoyances kind of thing
0: uh jason is there anything else you want to ask brian about smackdown
1: No, well, actually i was i was interested in the uh, i'm glad you made that reference to randy orton uh you know i randy orton it makes such a good heel, but I realized in the past couple of months since he's, you know, he's uh, returned, the guy seems to really have embraced the babyface aspect of things.
6: Yeah, Jason, I would agree with you. I just, I would just think that, you know, that Randy just, just, he just turned a page where, you know, can anybody, can he? Of course, of course, anybody can turn heel. You know, you do the right, you turn on the right person, do the right thing. Of course, it can happen. But I just think he's at that part of his career, his, his legacy is that, that people are just going to love him. And I think he, he's kind of maybe finally, actually, finally after all these years, right? Figured out his own. You know, I, I'm saying this the wrong way because, you know, all these years he's been wrestling, but found his own skin and found his own way. And I think the whole Matt Riddle thing just kind of kicked him into a different level maybe mentally this as far as the way he approaches his character.
0: Uh Brian, share with us uh what happened uh before Smackdown, if there was a dark match and I know there were matches after afterwards also and, and talk about those.
6: Sure, Wade. Uh match before was pretty deadly. They lost to um Cedric Alexander and and uh, Ashante the Adonis, they showed their commercial again about uh, the, the, about wearing clo- or, or not wearing clothes, but uh, <laughs> figuring out what Cedric should wear. They showed that during smack during SmackDown, not before the Dark Match. Uh, but um, again, it was a pretty good pretty good match between Pretty Deadly and Ashante and Cedric. Um, really good movement. Um, once um, the once the night was oh, I'm sorry once SmackDown was over, Damian Priest beat the Miz. Um, Dame, um, Miz, you know, <laughs> Wade and Jason, you know, we probably all have our opinions about Miz being a babyface, and he's probably another conversation we have for a little while, as far as him finding his own self and just being, you know, probably, you know, t- I mean, is it tougher ever tough for Miz to turn heel again, but <clears throat> just finding his his groove as far as being a babyface. But he, had, you know, he was trying to ra- rally the crowd up, and the crowd was pretty receptive to Miz, but um, Damian Priest won. Um, Nor the Judgment Day that was there, by the way. And then the final match was Cody Rhodes versus Drew McIntyre. And, you know, if Randy was the most over babyface on the actual main show, then Cody was the most maybe overall. It's kind of, it'd be pretty close to that part. But, of course, you know, once you hear his music and everybody sang along, there was a, um, a kid a couple seats over from me. I was talking to his dad in the car and he brought a Cody the kid another <laughs> not that but the kid brought a Cody uh, wrestling figure with him and he was just so happy to see you know Cody come out there. So that was pretty cool to see. Um, so it ended up being disqualification because um, Grayson Waller ran out, uh, helped out Drew. They put it they set a table up. Of course everybody wanted to see the table. Set the table up and then um, of course uh, Cody threw uh, Waller into the table and drew escape and that was how we ended the night uh, besides Cody working the um, working the crowd. So, that, and so everybody went home happy.
0: Cool. Uh, Brian, is there anything else you want to add from, uh, from the show tonight?
6: A couple quick things. First of all, Wade, thanks a lot for having me on. I really appreciate it. My tickets were, I was in the upper level, in the 200 level. Uh, my tickets face value was fifty five dollars, with uh, all kind of fees and everything, it ended up being seventy three dollars. Didn't necessarily notice any particular uh, AEW shirts or anything like that. Just mostly uh, all WWE stuff. There was a, maybe two or three people, which was kind of weird, that had WrestleMania fourteen shirts on. So Shawn <laughs> Michaels versus Steve uh, Steve Austin. It's kind of just kind of random to see at least two two people having it. And I know I'm the same person. Uh of course I'm always happy to see a couple of um especially the classic Randy Macho Man Savage shirts. You know, I say hi to those those guys and say, Hey, I love your shirt. Um I'm wearing a one of the uh um twenty twenty four um Black History Month WWE shirts. I bought that so that's why I wore that's the shirt I wore today. Um that is all I have right now that I can think about. You know, I didn't see any other particular crazy signs that were not uh, that, sun- that were not seen on TV. And that is it. Wait, um, I always say that. Well, I don't always say it because it's um, present now. I am a 33-year Torch subscriber. So I started off in, 19- if you do the math, 1991. And I told you before that um, I always appreciate the hard work that you and your crew do. And I'm a Torch subscriber for life. And thanks a lot for having me on. Jason, it's good talking to you. Hopefully, everybody has a really good night. And uh, thanks a lot again, Wade. Appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate your support Thank all these you. years. Always good to talk to you live on these shows. And to get your emails for The Fix and other places. Um, cool. Awesome. Let's uh, let's roll to uh, Joe New York, who's been patiently on hold the whole show here. Uh, uh, Joe, welcome. You get to follow Brian. Um, what is on your mind about SmackDown tonight?
7: Yes, good evening, Wade. Um, great show. Um, I just want to say, with The Rock tonight, I mean, that was awesome television. Definitely, you know, worth the price of admission? And that's TV, you know, that's when it's The Rock, you give them the TV time. And I'm glad they didn't make us wait to like 9.50, you know, 10 minutes before the show goes off the air, because then it's so rushed because of, of time constraints. But The Rock acknowledging Roman. If you're a wrestling fan like we are for 30-plus years, you know that that was just like the beginning of a guy. That was like a brother-in-law's shaking hands that don't like each other because you could just see the way the Rock stared at him and, and the way they held it there. He acknowledged them, but it wasn't like he didn't degrade himself. He just acknowledged them. And, yes, they are family, so I can understand that that he, he did that but you can just see that 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 it's only a matter of time before they turn on each other and i think what the big thing is going to be is the reason the rock was was saying to him cody if you if you win if you beat us you get a clean shot because then he can that's how rock can turn face again hey you're supposed to be the tribal chief i gave you that and You had to go out there and defend the family and you didn't. You lost. And then Roman can say, You cost me, you cost me because you know, the family wasn't there and all that. But the fact is that's how the rock goes back to being the face.
0: Yeah. I I I think your scenario and and variations of it and, and other theories is gonna be fun to watch play out because some of these are gonna get eliminated. As we go, some of them are gonna be in play. At rest, uh, you know, at come the tag match at WrestleMania. And I mean, I, like I, said, I I reported this, you know, uh, two, three weeks back, uh, a couple weeks back. This audible led to some changes. And the people privy to what's happening, or at least privy to the attitude of those who know what's happening, is within WWE, is they think this is going to turn out really good, that this is going to be a really big weekend, and that they're, you know, not saying everything's smooth and everyone's on the same page, but just the end point is. Yeah, this is gonna be a really big two night story. Um, and really a big a big story in the in the you know, six weeks leading up to it too. So um yeah, just kind of buckle up and and enjoy the ride and and understand things might go a different direction than you're imagining or you hope, but I, I think there's enough ways this could go um that there's a lot of ways this can play out and be satisfying. Yeah, go ahead, Joe.
7: Now let's look at it this way. The rock is the head of the table because look at it this way. He was the one dictating the terms. <laughs> yeah. He was dictating to Roman yeah. what his terms of his match was going to be. It, he he didn't ask Roman. Roman was just like, not, but I'm just saying he was dictating the terms and it, it, for Roman's match. It wasn't like Roman was doing it. And let me just say it to uh, one thing to all the fans out there, that you got to understand, look at this like the Sopranos. The Rock is Tony Soprano. And Roman is Uncle Junior. They're both bosses, but The Rock's calling the shots. If you really look at it, it's 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 that simple. And the other guys are just background. They're not even. They don't even need to be there. They have no influence on this at all. I mean, even Paul Heyman. I mean, his looks okay. I'll give him that, but he's not really a factor in this. It's Rock and Roman, and it's The Rock. He's Batman, and and Roman is Robin, and whether it's fair or not, that's how it is. And The Rock, his personality, just takes over the screen. And it doesn't matter how much Wade he knocks the crowd. Half the crowd was cheering him when he came out tonight. And they, would che- they still sing along with him at the end. So I don't think he has any problems turning a face. Half the fans still like him. And remember one more thing. At WrestleMania, the WrestleMania crowd is very different than the SmackDown crowd. There's going to be a lot of attitude over fans. There, and I wouldn't be surprised
0: if he gets a big pop. Very good, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night, guys. Yeah, you too. Uh, Jason, do you want to add anything to or respond to anything to brought up?
1: You know, I think the um, I think that may be one of the first references we've had to where WrestleMania is going to be held, and I think that you know, you're looking at a um. Mm -hmm. a crowd that is ecw centric and and, you know the 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 more uh controversial your character is you're probably going to fit right into that community so
0: yeah okay very good um let's uh take one more call here sean from murfreesboro tennessee sean we'll keep it a little bit short just because we're running so long but uh i'm you're eager to hear what you thought tonight and of our disc of the show and our discussion so far tonight too
8: yeah, and first I just want to say, no Wade, it's it's cool. I, I, I got on late as you saw, so I, I'll make it as short as I can. Uh, Cause I, I wanted to say, I appreciate AJ and all these all these guys making their points for, and their fair points, and I, and that's why we love. I know Wade, you love having callers on the show because they're they're gonna have you know different opinions and different thoughts, and I think they're all valid in different ways. I think I'm leaning more toward you know Jason from Australia. I think this is going to do really well, and I think it was great television tonight. It was a really good show. I really enjoyed the segment. I mean, it was long, like you were bringing up with the you know the bloodlines, the way they drag things out. You know, it can't be able to drag out, but it makes for good TV. It, and it was fun. And Rock is an arrogant heel, and that's what he's coming out to be at this moment. He's arrogant, and that's why Cody just got sick of it and said, "Listen, I told you I'm going to do this. Now I'm not." You know, and I think next week they're going to have him back on SmackDown, and he's going to. Just get in there and, you know, do a fiery promo. And I think it's going to be good stuff. And and I think they're on the right track. I think it's going to be really good. Um, And I wanted to bring up – Jason, it's good to talk to you as well, my friend. Um, I wanted to say when Dakota first turned, you know, jumped off the apron tonight, I was like – my first thought was, oh, crap. But then I think they played it really well. Because I think the more they let Dakota keep Bailey like, thinking that she's okay, and then it, it makes Bailey look even dumber. I think it's good just doing it tonight and just ending it and having Bailey just us get behind her even more. And I, I think they did that really well too. But the main, main question I was actually going to ask you Wade and Jason was going back to just the little snippet they had with Jade, which I've been, you know, kind of interested to see what they've done with Jade, you know, a little bit, the little bit. She's been on TV so far. Where do you think they're going? Because it, it was weird, but Jason said, you know, her and EO, like just her towering over EO like that. But at the same time, I thought they were going to build to something with her at WrestleMania, you know, little or big. How how do you think they've done with her lately? And like, where do you think they're going with her? What do you think the next steps might be with her?
0: Yeah, that was a moment tonight. And I, I don't know if it's just, uh she's waiting to, you know, going into Aldis's office. Let's not make a big deal out of it. doesn't, you know, mean they're necessarily going to feud. Um, I, I, th- I think, you know, Jade towering is going to be something we see a lot of. <laughs> um, that's just, she's tall. And, I don't know that every time. I mean, there's nothing you oh. can really do about it. You can't put all the women on platforms every time they're yeah. sharing screen time with her. So, you know, that's that's going to happen. Uh, Jason, well, what do you think of that segment? Do, do you read into it, or do you think ah, it's just you know, they're playing up Jade's Jade's you know uh, that she's having a conference with Nick Aldis about her status, and that's that's it. it doesn't mean it's necessarily uh, immediate. That she's facing uh, judgment, uh, facing uh, 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 damage control. Oh, Jade, I
1: really didn't think that. She was somebody that required so much extra effort. I watched her in AEW. I thought she was uh, sufficient. Maybe that's the uh, the the most polite word I can use. I mean, I thought she would do a good job in the ring. And then they brought her to WWE, and it's almost like they're like, we really want to work on her to make her the best that she can be. And they, you know, they had a lot of vignettes, and she was making appearances. I would think that by now she would be ready for a WWE ring. Um, I I think her appearance tonight soured me on the fact that maybe Bailey would capture the gold from EOSky. Sky, um, but I, I I really was hoping for a uh, as I mentioned earlier um, a kind of old school. Uh, versus new school damage con- uh, damage control, but um, I, I I really think Jade is ready to go in the ring. Uh, I think she could be made into a superstar, but for some reason it's it's all these backstage vignettes and it's always defending these people that she really should be vying for their spot on the roster. Uh, I, it was great to see her. I'd love to see her on TV. Uh, I'm not really sure where it leads. I, I want to see. I, I feel bad for Bailey that she has been an afterthought after all of the Elimination Chamber thing. It's all about real Rip real uh, real Ripley taking on Becky Lynch. We don't hear anything about Becky or, or about um, uh, about Bailey winning the Elimination Chamber. It's like she's an afterthought, it's, and I, I really feel bad because she should be, I think, uh, a focal point heading into WrestleMania with her title shot against EO Sky.
0: Sean, back back to you. Anything you want to add to all that? No, I agree, Jason. I think Bailey and EO is going to be an underrated
8: match, you know, on WrestleMania. But it's it's just but there's so many good feuds that are going on right now in WWE that that's just kind of hurt that feud honestly and it wasn't that hot initially to begin with and so it's hard to heat it up when you have so many hot feuds that you're going with right now and so many good storylines two quick things I just wanted to bring up was going back to Braun which he's I mean he's coming off like a star I, I just I'm, I'm with Todd if you heard the fix I'm, I'm with Todd I mean the spear just doesn't do it for me with Braun I think they got to come up with a different finisher something different you know as they go along with him because you know, so many people do spears, and so many big guys do, and it's just kind of like, all right, you know, a spear, that's, that shouldn't put somebody away anymore. Um, And then with Tiffany Stratton, I just think, you know, it was sad Naomi didn't get an entrance. I mean, it was unfortunate. But, again, it was a great segment. It should have been what it was. But, you know, that was sad for Naomi. But then with Tiffany, she's coming off like a star. I, I think the future is going to be so bright. The fans are already loving her now, and I think she's got a lot of good stuff in her future. Jason, I appreciate you good talk to you, Wade. You're one of the best, man. I'm excited for the Revolution stuff this weekend. It should be a fun weekend. I appreciate you taking a call.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Sean. Good, uh, good for you to chime in here. I appreciate your uh, input. All right.
3: Um,
0: one uh, email, and then we'll wrap up here. Uh, topic we haven't uh, covered, is, and this comes from uh, David H. He says, what are your thoughts on Naomi's booking so far since her return? She had a really strong showing at the Royal Rumble, but that momentum didn't seem to be continuing. Being the first elimination last week at the Elimination Chamber could be passed off a bit since she did enter first in the match. But then to follow that up tonight with another mostly clean loss to Tiffany seems a bit strange. Stratton winning a match here is perfectly fine. It makes sense, but it does seem to me like a lesser talent could have filled that role. Just curious for your thoughts. Yeah, it crossed my mind. You know, I I, I think a message maybe is being sent, Jason, that, you know, you you walk out because you're in, in support of Sasha Banks not wanting to... You know, putting up a a, a a protest over how they're being used and not being featured, not being protected as take champs, and not wanting to be fed to others, and you know, you you're now paying a little bit of a price. We're going to test you a little bit, as opposed to bringing you back and and seeming like all is forgiven, or um, you're even being rewarded for being gone for so long. Um, that said, I, I, it might be premature to say you know it's a burial, but they're obviously not just protecting her and featuring her. Instantly, as somebody who they're so excited at back, and now it's time to push her more than they ever have. But Tiffany Stratton is the wrong opponent to draw too many conclusions about because they do see a lot in her. And Naomi was competitive, and there was an eye poke and a ref distraction, and or you know, not looking a certain way. And so, enough happened that I, I would say Naomi was protected. So, I'm just saying, in response to David's email, I had some of the same thoughts, and I think we need a little bit bigger. A little bit more evidence, a bigger body of evidence before um, leaning too hard in one way or another. Uh, Jason, what do you think?
1: I thought the same thing. I'm like, why are you putting Naomi against somebody who obviously the people want to cheer for? Uh, When it's Tiffy time, everybody's on board. I, I have nothing but respect for Tiffany Stratton. The fact that she has come along the way she has and established herself as a superstar is amazing but i think that they could have had that same match with half a dozen other i mean you you look at the zion quinn or when dante chen ends up coming on smackdown and they get beat in like 40 seconds like they couldn't have brought some nxt superstar on there just to get beat by tiffany stratton i i really do think it I hate to think that a company does this, but I know they do, uh, regardless of what year we're in, that, you know, you left and you had kind of an attitude, and we need to kind of give you a little bit of a slap as you've come back. I I really wish that Naomi hadn't had to eat that pin from Tiffany Stratton, but at the same time, I give, I mean, hats off to uh, Naomi for doing the job But Tiffany Stratton, I mean, she really is, for the amount of time that she has actually been in the business, she has been so impressive. Uh, You know, it's kind of hard to hate on her because she really has sat under that learning tree. And, I I mean, total respect for her. And I have to give respect to Naomi for saying, you know what, all right, I got to eat this one, I'm going to eat it.
0: Uh how about the Carlito uh Santos match? We any any thoughts on that?
1: Surprised. I was real I mean, I understand there's all this interference and everything, and it was great to see Rey Mysterio back, and I understand that kind of fed into the win, but um Santos Escobar, I mean he he, he just is somebody I think they could really get behind as a mid card champion and he really loses a lot of his feuds and I'm not really sure why I love Carlito and I'm glad, you know, I was happy as a fan. I'm happy that he got the win, but it, it, it's, it's sometimes the, uh, the booking decisions they make. And I know it was more about the return of Rey Mysterio in this whole thing, but I don't know. I, I, I really would have liked to have seen the win go to Escobar.
0: Uh, very good. Uh, anything else, Jason? You want to add before we sign off for tonight?
1: No, I thought it was another great addition uh, of SmackDown. Uh, I, it was something I thoroughly enjoyed, and if it leads off with a forty-five minute segment of talking, and I still <laughs> at the end of the show say, "Man, that was a good show." You know what? It was well done. I, you know, I, I give them, I give them an A plus.
0: Ah, very good. Thank you. Ah, uh, great having you on uh we had a lot to talk about and uh pushed this to two hours and i think uh they earned it they earned that much conversation tonight here in wrestlemania season with what we saw tonight
1: all right thank you wade i as always i appreciate the opportunity to be on with you
0: excellent thanks to our callers thanks to our emailers thank you jason uh thanks jason from australia jason australia after uh hosting last week coming on um and uh yeah we'll talk talk to y'all next time and uh join us at pwtorch.com especially sunday night for our live coverage of AEW Revolution.